All right, let's get back to Joshua chapter 3. Andreas, if I'm in any of these monitors, go ahead and kill the monitors, please. Um, Joshua chapter 3, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Um, still a little bit loud? Just a little bit loud. How's that? Is that better? All right. Is it audible in the back? All right. Those who are sleeping, we'll keep you awake. All right, good. Very, very good. Well, it's, um, okay, so we're back in Joshua chapter 3. It's where we left off last week. We left Joshua and the children of Israel on the side of the banks of an overflooded River Jordan, and they're supposed to be crossing that river. But I do want to, again, take a running start at where, how we got to this point. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about delighting in God's will. And if you're going to delight in God's will, you've got to have the proper perspective, the right set of mind whenever you're living in God's will, or your delight will be diminished. If you have the improper expectations of what following Jesus is, then you, you're, you're, um, you put yourself in a place where the joy can be robbed from you. And those three lies that we had to expose that week, one, um, one truth that exposed the lie was that, is that um, God's will does not equal pain. That is a lie, okay? God's will does not always mean that there is no pain. Following Jesus, you will run into the same hardships as you did before you came to know Jesus Christ. Those things are likely to happen in a fallen world. <clears throat> so that's, that's, one, that's one truth that we had to expose. Um, the second one was, is that, is that there was a lie that nothing good can happen from the pain that we go through. Do I believe that we have a sovereign God who can work things out for his glory and his good? Um, he can work things all together for his good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And that good can be made out of some of the difficult times that we go through. And last but not least, um, this kind of picked up on what we were talking about before. The best life that you are to live is not in this life. The best life that you have to look forward to and to live is for the next life. That's why we seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. That all of these things will be added unto you. Your needs will be met. And... Um, <clears throat> And he says, do not fear, because it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell everything that you have and, and gather money bags that will not grow old and store treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So God's will is about putting him first and doing what he says. Now, last week we talked about um, whenever God reveals his will to us, it's not our job to find it. It's not our job to search for it. But whenever God reveals his will to us, it is our job to follow through. That is what we are called to do. We are called to follow God and allow him to lead us through this life. And I can't think, I don't think I can repeat this enough, but, but God's will, living in God's will is synonymous with living by faith. Faith again, and hear me out, because this is what is commonly accepted as the Christian way of life. It's just walking through the, through the world blindly. You know, thinking that God's just going to handle everything and that everything happens is God's ultimate will in our lives. But no, God's, God's, the Christian way of life is not living our lives based on what we don't know. The Christian way of life is living according to what we do know as revealed to us, as revealed to us in Scripture. That is what living by faith is. It's not living a life or believing in spite of all of the evidence. No, we, we live based on the evidence, based on the facts and the truths that are revealed to us in God's word about who God is and what we are called to do. So a, a, the Christian way of life, God's will, living by faith, is based on what we do know to be true and not what we don't know. 
But in any kind of action that we take, in any kind of behavior that we live, there is always an unknown element. You don't know the reactions. You don't know the butterfly effects that are, going to, that are going to happen. So there is an unknown element to walking by faith. But there's also an unknown element every time you hop in your car and you go driving. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the traffic that you're going to run into. But you do know that you've got to hop in your car to get to work. Same thing when it comes to the Christian way of life. We know what we are called to do. Now, we don't know the reactions that other people will have. We don't know how it's going to affect the community in, in, um, in all of it or in the grand scheme of things and how everything is going to be, be played out. But we do know that God has called us for a specific purpose. We follow what he has revealed to us through his word and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and we leave the rest to him, and we trust him with the results. So, so living by faith is not living blindly. It's actually living based on the truth that has been revealed to us by God. But too often do we not follow God's will based on what we do not know, right? Okay, but based on what we do not know, and, those, and those, there's the fear of the unknown, it's the uncertainty of the future, and all those things keep us and, and frees us from actually moving forward with what God has clearly spoken. Now, bringing us back to where we started last week, chapters 1 and chapters 2 clearly reveal to Joshua God's plan, right? In, ver- in chapters 1 and 2, what is he called to do? Cross the River Jordan, go into Jericho. Give all of, take all the land that your feet are going to hit, and wherever you walk is going to be the land that I am going to give you. Now, God has clearly spoken to Joshua, right? So there's no question as far as what he is going to do. But how does he live by faith here? So he, well, he lives by faith by doing exactly what God said to do. Now, we left Joshua in a place where we, didn't, we don't know how he's going to get across the river, but he's, he's positioned himself in order to get across the river. He's done everything that God has asked him to do. So in, verse, in, in chapter 3, starting in verse 1, what we found is that Joshua rose early in the morning. In the morning, they started heading out towards the river to where they were going to cross opposite of Jericho. They're getting staged. He's getting ready. He's actually eager to do it. He wakes up early on that morning to see to it that he starts putting into place what God has called him to do, which is to lead the children of Israel across the river Jordan and go into Jericho. But even at this point, he still doesn't know how. But he goes and he's faithful to God to do the things that God has already asked of him. So we, think, we see in verses 3 and 4, it says, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, go after it. All right, people of God, this is something that you need to understand. When you see God moving, it's a very wise decision to get up and get ready to follow him. Because the Ark of the Covenant, which, which represents the very presence of God with his people, was leading out to go into, to go and cross the River Jordan. And he's telling his people, when you see the priests, the Levites, taking the Ark of the Covenant, and they start walking towards that river, get ready. Get ready. Something is going to happen. Now, whenever you see that happening, it's time to go. But for right now, what I need you to do is I need you to go sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. God is going to do wonders among you. Now, Joshua had a great expectation that God was going to show out and he was going to be faithful to his word. He, at this point, he didn't know how he's getting across the river Jordan, but he knew that God said that, Joshua, you're going to cross the river. You're going to go into Jericho. You're going to conquer that land. So he says, look, God's going to do something. Because one, I can't get you across the river. We don't have any boats. We're not going to build a bridge. But just show up, and whenever you see God moving, it's time to follow. But, but don't go too close. I need you to hang back about 3,000 feet 
behind the priests in the, in the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Why did he say hold back? Because I need you to see where I'm leading. I need you to be able to see where I'm going. And the reason why I need you to see where I'm going is because you have never gone this way before. You have never done this. In unfamiliar territory, God is leading the children of Israel to a place where they're going to go over the River Jordan and to conquer a land. But he says, follow me. Don't get in front of me, but just see where I am going and then follow in behind. And then they actually did that. In verse 6, we see that then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the people followed. The people followed. They got ready. And this is where we left them last, last week. Now at this point, God saw fit in verse 7. to again to give him some encouraging words. He said, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now, why do you think God assured him at this point that he said, This day will be the day I exalt you? So the people will know that as I was with Moses, that I am going to be with you too. I would say it rested in Joshua's obedience. Joshua took the word of God, then he instructed the priests to do what they were to do, and then he instructed the people to do what they were going to do. So God, God saw that Joshua was going to be obedient to his commands and instructing the people to get ready to go. And then, then God speaks to Joshua and says, Joshua, something's going to happen. Today I'm going to exalt you and people will know that by the hand of God you are being led. And Joshua said, yeah, you're probably right because you're going to do some wonders among us. And we're ready. The people are ready. The priests have carried the covenant out there. We're just waiting for the word go. And, and then God comes in. He says, Joshua, today I'm going to begin to exalt you. And in verse 8 we see, he says, you shall, you shall command the priests. Now this is another block of instruction for Joshua. This is something new that Joshua is receiving from the Word of God. He says, You shall now command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now, this is one more step for the priests. It's like not only are you to get ready and go out to the River Jordan, but now it's time to get your feet wet. It kind of brings a new meaning to the word, right? Well, let's get your feet wet on this one. This is something you've never done before, so now it's time to get your feet wet. So whenever you come to the River Jordan, you're not going to stand there, but now I want you to get in and get your feet in the river. And that's, all, that's all the instruction that he has so far. Now, now, according to the context of what we're about to read and what he tells the children of Israel, I would assume that he filled in the priests in the same way before he actually turns and talks to the children of Israel. But in verse 9, we see a transition here. We see a transition and he goes from talking to the priests and says, so Joshua, he said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord. Come hear the words of the Lord your God. So what is he relaying to the children of Israel? The word of God, right? God has said this, so now for I, therefore I'm going to repeat to you what God has told me. And you've been obedient up to this point. Now it's time for your next block of instruction. The priests have gone out before you carrying the Ark of the Covenant. 
You've been obedient and you have made, you've made that step. Now you are staged behind them at 3,000 feet. The priests are at the edge of the water. And now, God, now Joshua has led the priests to step into the water. Now Joshua turns to the people and says, come in here. Listen to what I've got to say. Listen to the word of God now. Here's your next block of instruction. This is what's going to happen next. And Joshua said this, is by this you shall know that the living, that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the, per- the Perserites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. So what he's telling them here is that by what is going to happen today, by the wonders that are going to happen among you, you are going to be confident that God is with us and that he is going to do what he has promised that he is going to do. He will drive out the inhabitants of the land that we are about to step into this is, just, this is just a prequel to what is about to happen. God is going to work these wonders among you. And in verse 10, it says, And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living of God is among you. Verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all of the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe. That's important for chapter 4. In 13, it says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth, it shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that will come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So in other words, we're going to have an invisible dam that stops the river Jordan from flowing down, and whenever that happens, that's your window of opportunity to get across. That's the plan that's going to happen. Now, clearly, God has delivered the will of the people through Joshua. He has clearly spoken. Is that correct? There's no question about what Israel is supposed to do. Whenever the priests and Levites, they step into the water, the water is going to stop. And whenever the water stops, that's their opportunity to go, is to go and to move. So a few things that we talked about last week. Remember we said we had to be ready, right? Following through with God's will, you got to be ready. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. God is going to do wonders among us. Now, to be ready, that means a lot. Are you in a position where whenever God calls you, can you drop and do it? Or do you have way too many priorities in your life that you're going to have to weed out before you're able to, before you're able to go whenever God says go? To be ready, okay? So in order to follow through with God's will, you've got to be ready to go. Secondly, what we just talked about. You've got to believe what God says is true. You have to believe what God says is true or you're not going to follow through with it. If you think God's lying to you or holding out on you, you're not going to follow through with it. If you think there's a better option somewhere else, you're probably going to follow that because what you believe determines how you behave. But do you believe God? And my question here is, did Joshua believe? Well, sure. He believed enough to tell the Levites, um, just go step in the water. <laughs> Hey, guys, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. When you see a Levite step in the water, the water's just going to stop, okay? I, I know, I know it's flooded. You know, it's, it's, run, it's, it's really, really rushing. You know, they're looking at a picture like you see in front of you. But however, that river is going to stop whenever the priests step their feet in the water. So Joshua followed through. Now, this is not unusual for Joshua to believe God, all right? Forty years prior, prior Joshua came back from the land of Canaan trying to convince all of the people of Israel 
that God has truly delivered these, um, delivered these people into our hands. Along with him, Caleb, and, um, and Moses, they were saying, we ought to go in there. But the masses said, no, we can't because there's giants in the land and therefore we're going to get slaughtered if we go in there. So we see a very, a very small minority out of three people who were willing to go in the land of Canaan. But whenever God was wanting to move these people forward, well, he was wanting to move these people forward, he was met with great opposition. We see a different story here in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua says, all right, guys, it's time to go, and we're going to go ahead, and we're going to go into this land. We're going to cross the river Jordan. Not only was it, not only was it important that Joshua believed God, but all of the people to whom he was speaking, they had to be on board too. All right? Because if they rejected and said, well, we're not going, it's very possible they could have been brought back out in the wilderness for another 40 years. But I would assume that they learned from their parents' and their grandparents' mistakes, right? They learned from their mistakes. Remember, everyone who was over age 20 died in the wilderness when they refused to go into the promised land the first time. Now, many of these people probably didn't, didn't, uh, didn't witness the, the things in Egypt, the... Um, the things that went on, the, the, the parting of the Red Sea, you know, these are, they're kind of, a lot of them are kind of going on what is being said has happened, what God has did, done in the past, and the fact that maybe they got a 20-year-old who's now, who's now 60. He says, look, I was there, I was 20 years old when this happened. We don't want to turn away and do this. But you also have these four, three and four and five-year-olds that were there whenever they rejected who are learning from, learning from the 20-year-olds at that time, who have grown up and saying, look, it's a good idea for us to go. And there's probably some you know, teenagers, 10 years old, who have never experienced the wonders that they're about to experience. And so Joshua, along with the people, must believe God if they're going to behave in concordance with God's will. Because what you truly believe determines how you behave. If you believe God's way is the best way, then we're going to do it God's way. If we believe that there's an alternative that'll give us a different result that we may prefer, then we're going to go that route. But what you believe really determines how you behave. So if we're going to follow through with God's will, one, we've got to be ready, and two, we must believe what God says. So do they believe enough they believe what Joshua has revealed to them about God's will that the river is going to dam up and they're going to be able to go across. Do the Levites believe enough to actually go and stand in the water and to see what happens? Well, having, the, having God's will revealed to them, not only must Joshua believe, but the people must believe his word too. We go into verse 14. And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the river Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, we see that they are actually getting ready and they're going to go. Now God has revealed his will. So this is how it's going to happen. Now the question is, is are, if they do believe it, are they brave enough to follow through? Are they bold enough? Are they confident enough? Are they disciplined enough to trust God enough to follow through. Because I want you to understand there's a, there's a couple things that we're going to point out here in the next few verses that, are going to, that, that may cause some kind of a question in the minds of the people. 
But we see in verse 14, it says, So it was that when the people set out from their camp to cross over their Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as, they, and as those who bore the Ark of the Ark came to the river Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflowed all of its banks during the whole time of harvest. Verse 16, that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam which is the city that's beside Zertan. It says, So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah and the Salt Sea, they fell and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Now what has happened here? The children of Israel were obedient, and God did exactly what he said that he was going to do. As soon as the feet of the priest hit the water, what happened? It, the water stopped flowing, right? Now, I, I think if I was with the children of Israel, I would have liked to have seen that. You say, well, why didn't they see it? Well, it says that it dammed up in Adam, the city of Adam. That's 20 miles north of where they were. So they probably didn't get to see it, right? It's probably out of sight. But what they did witness Unless it was really, really high, which is very possible. I mean, there's a lot of water coming through. I don't know if he contained it or if the water stopped and froze and nothing flew. I, I don't know how, how it actually happened, but we, we understand there was a great heap that happened. It was 20 miles north, and all they're looking now is at a dried-up riverbed. This right before them. And what had happened is exactly the way God said that it would happen. As soon as the feet of the priest touched the river, it was going to stop flowing, and they were going to be able to go across. So at this point, because of their obedience, because of following through with God's plan, as he revealed it to them step by step by step, they experienced the very wonders of God. They experienced a miracle right there in front of them because of their obedience. My question is, if they never decided to do that, if the priest said, look, you know, we've never done it that way before, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, we go in the middle, okay? You send the rest, you send half of the children of Israel in front like we always do it, and therefore, that's the way that we're going to do it. You, you tell them to get in the river first. We're the priesthood. We don't need to get our feet dirty. If they'd have gone that route, it probably wouldn't have happened for them because they would have been in direct disobedience of what God said. And God told them, like, look, no, you have not gone this way before. This is something completely different. But I need you to go out before them, before the children of Israel, and put your feet in the water, and I'm going to do my work. Just, look, I'm giving you a soft pitch. All you got to do is go out there and I'll take care of everything else. Just make this happen. Just follow in my wheel. Do what I've instructed you to do. Do it, do it step by step. We took you baby steps. We said just go out to the river and then the people get ready. Now, now that you're out there and you're ready, now just go step into the water. And, and uh, by the way, children of Israel, whenever you see them step into the water, the water's going to stop and that's whenever we go. It's time to go. And that's how we're going to get through. And they were able, and because they walked in obedience, they followed the very will of God, they experienced the wonders of God among them, as Joshua said would happen. Now, but, but I believe that many of us, we rarely experience the wonders of God in our lives because we rarely follow through. We, we are frozen by the unknown. We, 
We see God's clear instruction in his, in his word of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as the children of God here in this world. But yet, for whatever reason, we, we fail to follow through. And when we fail to follow through, we won't see the, the amazing wonders that God can do among us. And they would have missed out on it had they not followed through with what God had instructed them to do. That happens with one or two different things. You know, whenever we fail to follow through, I believe, one, we're either ignorant of what God's will is. If we're ignorant of what God's will is, then, um, then probably that's, that's most likely our fault. In fact, I would say it certainly is our fault. Because I believe that God wants us to know his will even more so than we want to know. We're just not seeking him and seeking his face so he can speak to us in the way that he chooses to do so. Or we're not willing to follow through. So not only do we need to be ready, not only do we need to believe what God's word says, but you've got to be willing to do it. Are you going to be willing to make the sacrifice to make it happen? Are you going to be willing to trust God enough to go step in the water? But not only that, if you've just seen a riverbed dry up, are you going to trust God enough to cross? Because what's the possibility that could happen? Yeah, the water could come rushing back in, right? There's still a source of danger there, a sense of danger, a sense of uncertainty there. But what has God promised? Look, you're going to get to the end of it. You're going to get to the other side. And you're kind of walking, you're kind of walking across a, a, a riverbed, and maybe 20 miles down up, up the river, you can see where the water is just, just mounding up right there. So that if that thing lets go, I'm gone. But what has God promised? You're going to get to the other side. You will get to the other side. Which also kind of puts us in, a, in another, another topic and in a, in a, in a, um, another thought. is when the opportunity presents itself, it's best we don't drag our feet. All right? When the opportunity is, is there, it's best we don't drag our feet. Now, what if some of the children of Israel said, ah, I'm, not feeling, I'm not feeling it right now, and they were to hang back. Once, they, once they, the rest got across, I mean, you know, who knows? If they chose not to cross... They may have been trapped off from the rest of the children of Israel. It's a possibility. It's speculation. Now, we know according to what the Word of God says, it says they all made it across. But there's an opportunity window for us to perform God's will. You know, I don't believe that whenever an opportunity for God's will opens itself up, that you always have that opportunity to follow through. Many of us regret not taking the opportunity in the past from some things that we had the opportunity to do, whether it was sharing our faith or making a decision about going, about, uh, about going somewhere and doing something we knew that God was calling us to do, and that opportunity is no longer there. But whenever the river's dried up, it's time, it's time to cross. We must take the opportunities as they present themselves. God is gracious enough to give you that opportunity and to lead you in that direction, but it's up to us to be ready, to believe what he's saying is true, and to step out and then take the walk and be willing to go. But whenever we do all of this, what we see in verse 17, it's another great thing. It says, Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, they stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan River. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Has God been faithful? Yeah. He saw to it that they made it all the way across. 
But from the, from the very start, whenever he was revealing to Joshua, Joshua, you're going to have to cross Jordan. You're going to have to take the land. You're going to have to do it. Send the spies over to them to take a look at it. Yes, they come back with the message that, man, these guys are scared. They're shaking in their boots because we're, we're coming up to them. Then God says, okay, listen, Joshua, get the priest ready. Get the children ready. Tell them to go stand in the water. And once they stand in the water, that's going to be your window of opportunity because I'm going to show up and I'm going to stop the flow and you're going to be able to cross. So God was faithful in their obedience. He carried through with his part. He said, look, I've got you across. But notice that whenever God was leading them, the Ark of the Covenant went out first. Never happens anywhere else in Scripture where the Ark of the Covenant goes out first. But where, where is the Ark of the Covenant while they are passing? Where is it? Verse 17. It says, Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stood firm on dry ground where? In the midst. In the danger zone. Right? In the danger zone. In the most dangerous part of this crossing, they were right there in the midst, and that's where God was. He was going to see to it that they crawled through. And yes, that God's will may bring about difficulties. It may bring, it may bring some um, uh, areas of your life where you'll be uncomfortable following Jesus. It'll bring you to a point where you've never gone that way before. You've never done these things that way before. But it's possible and, and very likely that God is leading in that direction. But you, but you must understand that God will lead and go first and that he will be there with you until you cross over. He will be faithful to hold up his end of the bargain. He promised Joshua, you'll get across. This is what you need to do. I need you to get across and I need you to take over that land. And Joshua lived by faith, believing God, step by step, instructing the children of Israel, and they were obedient step by step by step, and God showed up and did wonders. And they conquered. They were successful. They gained a victory. What did they gain a victory in? What, what were they victorious in? Exactly what God told them would happen. You know, we may have our own, own ideas on what we think a victory might be in this world. But a victory is whenever God's will is played out. And God has used us to bring about that ultimate victory. That is what victory is. It can be in different, different sizes, shapes, forms, smells, and all of these different things. I can't, I can't look into the details of each person's life. But I can know that when we're obedient to his will, that he will show up and make sure that we get across. And he'll be right there with us, just as he was with the children of Israel on crossing the Jordan. And just as he did when he crossed the Red Sea. Now, we won't get into, it, get into it this morning, but also something that's actually not on my, my thing. You can write this down as point number four, but you must remember. You must remember. Because chapter four is all about those 12, those 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel. They had a job to do. They had to go back, they, they had to, go back to the midst of the, of the river or the riverbed, gather 12 stones, hoist them up on their shoulders, and once they got to Gilgal, they built an altar as a remembrance of what God did on this day. To, re to show them a remembrance of what they did or what God did on that day, just as he did when they crossed the Red Sea. Remember those things. Now, why is it going to be important for these people to remember that God showed up and did wonders? This was, this was pretty much a baby step to what they've got to face. They've got some really major battles coming. Now, what did, what did Joshua tell them in verse 10? He says, by this you shall know that the living God is going to be among you. That by, by what happens today, that you will know that God will drive out the inhabitants of the land. 
Because God stopped the, the Jordan River and let you cross over, that's going to be a sign to you to understand and know that God is with you. And he's going to be with you whenever we go to conquer this land. We've got bigger fish to fry once we get over there. This is just to let you know that God's here. And once we get over, we build an altar so we remember that God is with us. We remember that when we step in obedience, when we follow God's will in our lives, that God is there, that God's going to step up, that God is going to fulfill his end of the bargain, that he is going to be faithful to see to it that you get across and to see to it that you are victorious. So remember what God does. And in conclusion, you know, as we prepare for our invitation this morning, I really want us as a church to really kind of think on these things whenever it comes to following where God is leading. The question I want us to ask is, are you ready? Are we in a position where we can say, whatever God, God, whatever you want, I'm ready. Whatever it's going to cost, I'm willing. Whenever it comes to God revealing his will to us through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of his word, are we going to really believe what he says? But how we behave really is determined by what we believe. So our actions will expose what we truly believe about God and what his word has revealed to us. We need to remember. So the question I'll ask is, church, are we ready? First Baptist Church, are you ready to follow where God's leading? If the Ark of the Covenant is going out, are you willing to stage yourself and prepare yourself and to be 3,000 feet back and, and follow God where we have never gone before? Is that a willing place that you're willing to be? You know, in the Christian community, you know, we hear a lot about failures and people are fail, failing and they're, they're broken. We hear a lot about that. But I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing Christians and their failures. You know, we have a victorious king. We have a conqueror. We have a God that's going to be faithful. We have a God that's leading us. We have a God that's going to be with us in the midst of the river and while we cross. We have no reason to be defeated. The children of Israel probably at this point, they were tired of failure too. Forty years, they were living out the consequences of a what? A failure. But what was the failure in? It was the failure in following where God was leading. God didn't fail them. But they failed to move when God said to go. They may not have been the responsible party for the failure, but they suffered the consequences of the generations before them because they were not willing to follow through. We must be ready. We must believe. We must be willing to follow through. Now, God has called them to do something they had never done before, to cross over the River Jordan, to do something they had, in a way that they have never seen it done before, they sanctified themselves, they trusted God, and they followed through. They crossed over the river, despite the dangers, despite the fact that they've never done it before, but they drove through, and God showed up. You know, church, I, I believe, you know, I feel that God may be leading our church uh, to do things that maybe we've never done before, to see things from a different way than we've ever seen before. I believe that we as a church, we're facing circumstances that we have not, pay, that we have not faced in the past as a church. We're facing a culture that we've not faced before in the past. We're facing different situations that, have, that are unique to our time and to what we are seeing. But there is one thing that's for sure. We can believe God's word. I know that we can trust him. And truly, if we are that people that, believe, that are gonna be ready, that are going to believe God's word, and we're gonna be willing to follow through, 
then I believe that God is going to work those wonders among us, that we can see victory. We can stop, put, we can stop seeing failures and fail upon failures and failures. And we can claim the victory in Jesus Christ in our lives. But it requires us to follow through with God's will. Let's stand and have a hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you so much for this, for this word, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your provisions in life. But Father, may you continue to lead us step by step, Father. Reveal it to us as we need to see it. Father, may we be bold enough and disciplined enough and confident in you to follow through. It's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.